At our church, Jesus is Lord. That single belief calls us together as a community and sends us into our world with hope and purpose. At our church, your past will never define your future. There's always redemption, which means there's always a brighter day. At our church, we don't think we're better than any other church out there. We're just doing our best to become our best. At our church, we want you to believe in God, but we also want you to know that God believes in you. We are not against people who don't attend church anywhere. Instead, we pursue them with love, the very same love that's pursuing us. At our church, we're learning to serve God with all our hearts, and we're learning to worship Him with all our lives. And if you're looking for the perfect church, we're not it. At our church, we will make mistakes, but we will choose to grow from them. At our church, we're part of a global community that's knit together by the resurrection of Jesus. And by the way, at our church, we believe that really happened too. At our church, we will engage with people who are in real need because we are the hands and the feet of Christ. And finally, we need you to hear this loud and clear. At our church, it's not really our church at all. It's His. And we live and move and breathe in His church for His glory and His fame, not ours. So here's the invitation. You're invited to jump in with your whole heart at your own pace and to experience the life that awaits you in Christ. Friends, this is going to be good. Welcome to our church. Good morning, everyone. Look at these brave souls that braved the minus 12. How you feeling? <laughs> well, let's all stand together and we'll start praising our precious Father and enjoy our time with Him this morning. And welcome everyone at home that's all sitting around their fireplace in their robes and comfy and cozy, but we get to all engage and enjoy Jesus together. So let's start to worship Him.
Amen. Awesome. You know, isn't it awesome that we have, it's Valentine's Day, and we all have the same Father that loves us, and he's drenched us in love. Have you ever thought about just being completely drenched in his love, that we could just be wrung out with Jesus' love? He's just dripping all over us. I think that's just an awesome, comforting thing, because sometimes Valentine's Day can be hard, but... um, pretty awesome that God loves us that much and he sent Jesus for us because he loves you that much too and um, I know sometimes it's easy to take that for granted 
But there's somebody that you're going to run into this week who doesn't know that. And they really need to. They really need to understand that, man, he loves you. And he died for you. He covered you. And you are drenched. You're soppy with Jesus' love. It's pretty awesome. Can you guys say good morning to each other? Warm each other up. Say hello.
Jesus, thank you for being here this morning, Lord. We love you so much. I pray, Father, that these offerings that we're giving you from the insides of our hearts that come out of our mouths are pleasing to you, Father. I pray this morning that your spirit just comes in and moves in us. And Lord, I pray that 
this will be the day that there is a new awakening in us to your word and uh, your love for us and that how real you are and that you're not just a duty that we do on Sundays. This isn't just something that we have to get done and we're obligated to come, but that we crave you, that we want you, that we can't get enough of you. Lord, I pray that you will renew that first love in all of us, that that will be something that is so sweet that we protect it with all that we are and we chase after you like children when they're chasing after something out in, in the park or something that they want so badly that they just don't care what happens around them or how they look. I just pray, Jesus, that we are excited to meet you this morning and that you do a work in us, but that we, we come to you as little children and that we remember that you're our daddy and that you love us so much and you've been waiting all week for this time that you set aside. So, Lord, be with us this morning. Feel welcome in this place. I pray that you'll just go into the homes of everybody watching online, Jesus. Let them participate with you. It could be awkward singing at home. Lord, let them sing and show how much they love you there, too. Bind your people together in your word and together as we praise you, Jesus. We love you. We thank you for being with us this morning.
Lord Jesus, thank you so much for being here with us this morning. Lord, we love you. In this cold, cold weather, you still warm our hearts. Lord, we ask you to be with us even more, even further this morning. Bury in us the word that Pastor Matt's bringing to us, Jesus. We need your word so much. It is life. Lord, thank you for all you do. We love you. We give you the rest of this day, Jesus. Do with it what you will. And use us in it how you see fit. We love you so much, Father. We ask this all in Jesus' precious name. And all of God's children said, time of worship and to be able to sing the songs of our Lord and Savior. And this morning on this Valentine's Day, I want to ask you uh, to just uh, take a moment, take a deep breath. Um, For those of you watching online, I ask you to do the same. Remember who is to be the object of our love. Remember the one who gave us the understanding of what all love truly is about. Let's ask Jesus, maybe this morning, to rearrange our priorities, to remind us of who deserves his full attention. He is the one who deserves our full attention. Let's begin with a word of prayer. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you, God, for the opportunities that exist this morning. Because your spirit has entered in, because you have spoken to our hearts, because you are showing us, God, love as in a way that we just never, we may have never experienced before this morning. If there's someone here today who doesn't know your saving grace and love, I pray today will be a day that that is eye-opening and heartwarming and is a day of redemption, a day of renewal. And I pray, God, for those of us who know you, Lord, and have known your love for so many years, I pray that you will remind us, God, to pursue you with all that we are. And I pray, God, this day uh, that we set aside to say, you know what, Uh, this is about love, (laughs) that we will be reminded that true love is found in this, in a Savior that came from heaven to die on a cross to give forgiveness and salvation freely. We thank you, God, for all that you have done and all that you are going to do. Lord, today we open our hearts and our minds and we say thank you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus, and we ask you, God, to do something this morning within us that we didn't even expect. We pray this in Jesus' name and all his people say, amen.
Good morning. Uh, yeah, how's everybody doing? Yeah. Beautiful morning, right? Oh, that never just rain. Well, no, I, you know what? I find it's all a matter of perspective, right? If you really look, just about anything can be joyous and beautiful. You know, look outside. I, I like waking up in the morning. Washed away and then made white, right? The the snow, the moisture it brings, it reminds me that God brings water from the land of life, brings food from the animals, right? So why should we ever be surprised when things like this happen? The bitter cold. Probably, anybody here like that? Well, I do, right? Because. things in life. Look at look for the joy. It's out there. The uh, the Bible quiz is here. Saturday, first place. Right? Awesome. Look for the joy. You guys probably don't know this about me, but I'll share something kind of hard. Church, we were able to escape it. We entered into safe houses. We ran across the country for years, for a couple years, trying to get away from my father, get someplace safe. It was a man that taught me how to be a father, how to be a husband. This weekend, we did that too. Get away from the situation of a mother and children. And we took it and we made it start. And we, we helped her out. Got her through the weekend, so she didn't end up out here in the cold. things in life. They're out there. Find the joy. That's why could the ushers come on up. All you do. 
today is, man, it's one of those cold days. Is, I had not thought of that before. Thank you for sharing that with us, Eric. Um, I am thankful for the warmth of a home and the warmth of this place, the warmth of our hearts, and the warmth that God gives us beyond what we can imagine in and of ourselves. Uh, and, uh, and, and sometimes we get to a place, though, when we are at a at a crossroads, maybe, where we may find ourselves in the midst of what may seem a cold time spiritually, or some people have called it the dark night of the soul. Maybe you have been there where times are tough, or maybe uh, you just don't even want to get out of your home. Maybe you're feeling lonely. I don't know, but I want to tell you right now that there is a God who loves you, who sent his son, his name is Jesus. He is in our midst right now, and today I want you to seek 100% after him because Jesus deserves all of our attention. And you know, this morning, as we, uh, thank you, hon, as this morning, as we, as we kind of get to, uh, open up God's word in this place of warmth, in this place where we get to experience the love of God, not only spiritually from him, from above, but with each other and through each other. I want to ask you today to begin to really ponder in your hearts. Why is it that I exist? What is it that makes me really tick? What is the thing that I am truly pursuing? What, because throughout Scripture and throughout uh, this, the Gospels that we read the words from Jesus, we are consistently being challenged and we are consistently being asked, take a look at your heart and make sure that you are seeking Him first above all other things. What are you seeking first in your life. Because you see, here's the thing, is that if we are not in right relationship with God, we're going to get left behind. Oh, there are those Sundays when I, <laughs> I think, oh, this is going to be good because, man, I'm going to be here just to rain on comfort and rain on, but sometimes... God lays on our heart as pastors a message that may comfort the afflicted, but also afflict the comfortable. Oh, this is going to be good. Amen? <laughs> You're like, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> well, it seems at times, and maybe you even thought this as you were looking at the title of the sermon before you seems at times that everything in our country is seeking to divide us. Some of you might have even read the title of the sermon and thought, oh great, this is going to be a political sermon. <laughs> it's not. Uh, but it does seem at times that everything in our world is seeking to divide and seeking to destroy. And I want to tell you that that's the handiwork of one individual one spirit, and it's not of God. It's of Satan himself. When we were in Florida, I had some come out and give us an estimate on our pool, and we had this large screen room over the whole pool. It's outdoors, and 
we wanted to get some work done, and he's giving me an estimate, and he's, he's a very talkative individual, and he showed me this scar on his leg, and I mean, it was like about that big around, and it was about an inch or so deep, it was like a crater in the, in the front of his, uh, of his leg, and I mean, he's like, yeah, he said, uh, you're fairly new to Florida, he said, I just want to tell you something about Florida, that everything in Florida wants to bite you, eat you, or kill you. <laughs> And he got bit by a spider, and I started thinking about the gators and all the snakes I'm seeing everywhere. I was like, yeah, I think he might be right. And sometimes in this world where we find ourselves in, we might feel like, man, everything is out to get us. But today I want to remind you that there is one who is for us, who is greater than the one who is out to get us. Amen? Our world today seems, it seems at times in it that so many want to divide to cancel, to condemn, to curse each other. I, I even went today, this week, excuse me, and we had a pastor's retreat on my way heading over there. I thought, man, I just, I'm thirsty and I haven't ate all day. So I grabbed a candy bar and I looked at the candy bars and these are candy bars, you know, that I like, the Twix candy bar. I don't know if anybody else likes that. Likes that. And I'm looking at it, and on the candy bar, as big as the letters that say Twix were these letters that said left or right. I mean, I can't even get a candy bar without it being divisive anymore, you know? (laughs) And and we have all these, where do you find yourself? I want to tell you something right now. I find myself very firmly in this camp. I'm in Camp Jesus. 110%. Oh, yes, we better, I tell you what, man, if we can't agree on that, God help us. The Bible proclaims that there is only one who rightly divides the truth. The Bible proclaims that there is only one righteous judge. The Bible tells us that there is only one that sees past our words and sees our heart. There is only one with whom you had better be right with or you are going to be left behind. Uh, According to a recent survey, only 19% of church-going Christians read their Bible daily. Think about that. Just let that sink in for a moment. 19%. The number more than doubles for those who read their Bible once a month or less. It's exactly at 50% of those who call themselves born-again Christians. They go to church regularly. We read our Bibles once a month at best. And ironically, that is almost the same number for those who indicate, you know what, I left my church because I just felt like the church was not feeding me. I felt like the church was not meeting my needs. Uh, Do you think there might be a bit of a correlation there? Hmm. For those of you who are married or have kids or a special love in your life, I want you to think back. Maybe if you've been married for 20, 30, 40, 50. Anyone here been married 50 plus years? Oh, yes, we have some here. Good job. <laughs> you, listen, there was something that hasn't changed in all those years, whether you've been married 50-plus years 
or you've been married one year, and that is, is that for you to have that type of relationship, you have got to pursue each other in that relationship to begin with. I have never in all of my years of, of, of doing mar- weddings and, 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 and doing counseling and anything else ever heard anyone say, well, you know what, they never pursued me. We just decided to get married willy-nilly. I just happened to meet them. We just got off the street. No, here's the thing was at one point you pursued each other and sometimes people will come to me and they're like man we we're having this struggle now or we're having this thing and, and we all have struggles we all have ups and downs but here's one of the major struggle major things that is hard to ever get past is if one spouse quits pursuing the other spouse with love why would we think that it would be any different with our God? It's hard to be right with Christ when you don't pursue Him. It's hard to be right with Christ when you aren't actively going after Him, seeking first the kingdom above all other things and His righteousness. It's hard to have a right relationship if we don't do that. When we've left our Bible on the back burner, it's hard. When averaged out, and this is a survey done of uh, tens of thousands of churches plus in America. When averaged out in America, Christians spend an average of nine minutes of combined time in Scripture and in prayer a day. Nine minutes a day. Take that nine minutes and then hear this, that the average American also spends six hours and 42 minutes a day online. What do you think is feeding people more? Think about that for a moment. Oh, man. I don't see Jesus in this. I'm not, I'm not sensing God in this. I'm not, I'm not sensing, but where are you putting your time and your effort? What are you pursuing most in your life? You don't have to tell me. You don't have to tell anybody. God already knows. Just, just take a moment and take a step back and just think to yourself, be real with the Lord. I know these, these stats may not represent you, and that, that would, that's good, but I share this because I want to make the point up front, again, that Jesus is worthy of all our attention. It was told, we are told in Scripture about this thing that's called the Great Suggestion. Have you heard of the Great Suggestion in Scripture? To love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all your strength. It's not called the Great Suggestion Church. It's called the Great Commission. There's no in or out. There's no, well, you know what? I'm not going to worry about that for a while. No, it is what we are called to do, and it is what we are called to be, to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. And you know what? As soon as I get that right in my life, I can't speak for you, but as soon as I get that right in my life, then I'm going to go after all these other peripheral things, right? Hebrews 3.3 says this. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor. I love those words. Jesus has been found. What are you up against this morning? 
What has been taking your focus and, and has your primary perspective in life? Whatever it is, if it's not Jesus, I want you to know that Scripture even reveals to us that Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than whatever that is. In this verse, it adds up, or it culminates, and it says, you know, He's been worthy, he is worthy of greater honor than even Moses. And to the audience there, that was like, oh my goodness, Moses is our everything. So today, uh, I wanted to ask you, would you, with me, together, can we focus on Jesus today? Can we honor him by paying attention to what he wants to say? I, I, I just want to just take a moment just want to, I just want to pray. Lord, you've laid this message on my heart. But God, I don't want to be a filter for it. I just want to be, I want to be a vessel made the full flow come through me to your people. In Jesus' name. Have you ever done something and you've done it for years and years and years. And you thought, man, you know what? I, I'm doing the right thing. This is the exact thing that I'm supposed to do. You've done it for years. And you're thinking in your mind, this is the right thing for me to do. And after years and years and years, you realize this was not the right thing that I was supposed to be doing. I remember when I was a kid. And one day, as I'm getting a shower, my dad's in the bathroom as well. And, and you know, he's shaving and getting ready. And I'm getting... And he must have had a feeling because we were going through shampoo like this, you know. And he, I remember him saying, he could probably hear me in there, you know, and it's just, you know, squeezing and squeezing that bottle. And he's like, Matt, put your hand out here and let me see how much shampoo you have in your hand. And I should, of course, it's just running all down through my hand. And he said, don't use too much shampoo. And, of course, like any other normal kid, I said, well, Why? And he said, because if you use too much shampoo, your hair's going to fall out. <laughs> and I thought, that sounds just like something I'd say to my kids. But anyway, uh, and so he just, he was making the point, but I was, I was scared to death from then on. I mean, I barely put uh, you know, just a, a size of a pea in, my, in my, my hand. And I was just, and I would look around at people whose hair was thinning and for bald men, and i think, uh-huh. I know what's wrong with, I know what you're doing. Shame on you using too much shampoo. And I mean, and here's the crazy thing. I went all the way to college believing if I had too much shampoo and I used that in my hair, I mean, it's, you know, my hair might be a little oily because I didn't quite get enough shampoo, but it didn't matter. One day in college, I'm looking at the shampoo bottle and it has directions on there. It does take an average of, for t of 10 years for men to actually read the directions. And, uh, and so after 10 years of believing this, I looked at the directions and I, I saw in there that it says to lather, rinse, and repeat. And I was like, what in the No wonder everybody's going, losing their hair. And I'm like, oh man, am I going to... I don't... And, and I, then I began to put one and one together way back when my dad told me that. And I thought, oh my goodness. 
for all these years, I believed that too much shampoo would, would make my hair fall out. And after I gave it a couple minutes of thought, finally, I realized my dad was just trying to save money on shampoo. <laughs> and, and I just think about that and I think, you know, there's been other areas in my life too, spiritually, where I thought, oh, I've got this all together. I've got the, I mean, I've got the world by the tail. I know, I may even know just as much as Jesus does on this situation. And then God, in a moment, reveals to me, Oh, Matt, you are nothing. I am everything. Get right with me. Get your focus off of yourself. Uh, Jesus addresses a group of people in Matthew chapter 7. You can turn there if you want to, but it will be up in front of you on the screen here in a moment. But It's from Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, and he's addressing a group of people who thought that they were doing everything right. They were following all the rules. They were doing everything that they thought they could. They used as much human ability to earn their salvation as you could ever possibly imagine. And it turns out they were going to be left behind because in the kingdom they forgot why they were there. They forgot what the kingdom was about. They forgot why they existed. In Matthew 7, 21, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name did we not drive out demons? And in your name did we not perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. I don't know about you, but I read this portion of Scripture, and, and it's humbling for me. Some have said, in regards to this portion of Scripture, they've said, you know, that's the scariest portion of Scripture in the whole Bible. Uh, these people who were doing great things in Jesus' name, but when they saw him face to face, they realized they had no real relationship with God. They were going through the motions they knew and they heard all the things that you're supposed to do. They, they had been around the church and the temple so long that they, that they realized the things you were supposed to say. They, they, you know, they didn't drink, they didn't chew, they didn't date girls to do. They did all the right things, right? <laughs> I, I look at that and I can't say anything for you, but I can look at it for me and I can think, I think to myself, you know, I, I mean, these guys, these folks were, were prophesying in God's name. They were driving out demons. I mean, I, I, I can only tell you of one instance in my whole ministry where 
I believe that I was in the presence of someone who was demon-possessed. And, and in Jesus' name, that individual practically ran out of the church building. But that's a whole other story. But these people were regularly seeing demons being cast out. And, and then it goes on to say that they were performing many miracles. And, and what really stuck with me as I was studying it this week were these words Lord, Lord, did we not do all these things in your name here's the revelation it was for me and maybe it will be for you the authenticity of the gospel of Jesus Christ will remain intact regardless of who states it. Let me say that again. The gospel of Jesus Christ is true. It is real. It is powerful. There is power in the name of Jesus regardless of who says it. You see, God's power and the power that resides in who Jesus is does not depend on me. He can stand on his own two feet the message of the gospel is authentic regardless of who I am. And these people who thought that because they were doing all these things and things, seeing all these things happen and doing it in Jesus' name, that they were A-OK, were realizing, you know what, just because the gospel message is authentic, it doesn't particularly mean that their heart is authentic. Well, did, did you hear that? It's like a dull man picking up a sharp sword. Just because that dull man picks up a sharp sword, it doesn't make the sword dull, and it's, the sword doesn't make the man sharp. The sword is what it is, regardless of who picks it up. Hitler, at the end of August 1920 argued that the Nazis supported every Christian activity. That's a quote from him. He also went on to say that he believed in Jesus. But we all know that in action, he adhered to a salvation by race, not a salvation by grace. We know that today. And just because he said one thing that was true about Jesus did not mean that his heart was right and in right relationship with him. And scripture tells us that even the demons believe. You can read it. It's in James. Even the demons believe. Obviously, that doesn't mean that their heart is right with God. That means they understand very well that God is awesome, that God is all-powerful, and that they are not because it not only says that they believe, but it says that they tremble. Now, I have a strong concern, church. It's something that it, it truly it keeps me up at times. But I have a strong concern for our nation and it's that Christianity is in decline in our nation because the authenticity of our message does not match the, authentic 
does not match the authenticity of our hearts. Some of you may say, well, what is God's will for us? Better stated, what is the mission of the church? Here's the mission. It's to proclaim the good news about Jesus. Billy Graham, near, near the end of his, his years as he was doing the Crusades anyway, years of doing the Crusades, was criticized. And actually, the criticism began to get a little bit more of a fever pitch because people were wanting him to dive into areas that had nothing to do really with the salvation message. And they were saying, why don't you address this? And why aren't you addressing this, Reverend Graham? All you talk about is how Jesus saves, and that's good. We believe Jesus saves, but we need to hear more about this and more about that. And Billy Graham looked at his criticizers, and he said to them, he said, you know what? He said, because I believe that this message of Jesus Christ that is central to everything we read in Scripture is the thing that will make everything that you want to deal with right in the lives of God's people. What Billy Graham was saying is when Jesus comes first, all these things will be added in the right order. Every church is called to be a transformation station. A sent people to every community transforming lives by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ among those who need it so much around us. Is it possible that the church in our country has maybe forgotten who they are? I stood in the parking lot in front of King Supers one, one day and I um, <clears throat> was having this awakening in my heart as I was pastoring there in Castle Rock, Colorado and I began to see my community in a way that I never had seen our community before. I've been there for years. And I got out of my car, and I was just going in real quick to grab something like, you know, milk and bread or something really quick. And I was in a hurry, I was in a rush, and I'm not kidding you when I said, say that I got to the end of the back of my car after parking it, and I just felt like the Holy Spirit just stopped me in my tracks, and I just stopped there. And I began to look around, and there are people that are rushing into King Supers and rushing out. and They're going all the different stores that are also around it. And I just stood there, and I looked around, and the Spirit of God just came to me and said, Do you know if these people are going to go to heaven or not? And I felt this conviction. I didn't even know what to do. I was like, God, I don't even, well, what do I do? Do I start just preaching right here? And, there? and do you want me to preach right here in the middle of the parking lot? I'll share, I'll share your gospel. And I sensed that God was saying, Matt, every life matters to me. Why aren't these lives mattering to you? We are not just a movement, church. We are not a social gathering. We are not a club. We are not a hospitality type of hub. We're not a, a place of entertainment. We're not an activity center. We are the kingdom of God come from heaven here to earth to see God's will done here on earth as it is in heaven. 
are not of this world. If you are a child of God, you need to hear this. It could change your perspective on everything in your life. We are not of this world. Maybe it would help if you said that with me. Just say, I am not of this world. It will change some perspectives. But we are called to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You can find that in Matthew chapter 6. I believe it's 33. But we are called to seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness. We are called to love this world like it says in John 3.16 that God loves this world. We are called to love this world in Jesus' name for the redemption of souls and for the development of disciples who make disciples. And this week, <clears throat> I was at a pastor's retreat and he had a good time and it's one of those things where I felt convicted because honestly, right off the bat, I was like, oh, I don't even, I don't really want to go to this. It's another pastor's retreat. I've been on the Colorado District as a pastor for uh, half of my, or more than half of my ministry years. I know what's going on here. Do I really have to go? I asked and they said yes. So there I was, and it was actually such a good time, and I'm glad that we went. And as I was in the midst of that group of pastors, we were discussing by our district superintendent some of the startling t statistics that are happening in our nation in our very first session. And, and one pastor in, near the end of that session, he stood up, and he, he, you could tell he was just under conviction and just just was sensing that this, this strength of, of God in, in the direction that he was moving and trying, seeking to move his church in. And he said something that I just have not forgotten. And before I tell you what he said, you need to know that he preaches in a multi-million dollar building. The group that he preaches to has a long history He's well off. He's doing well financially. The average Joe would look in from the outside and say, oh, these things look good. But he stood before us, his peers and colleagues, and, and he shared that based on the current trajectory of his church, he, he finds himself at times just wondering, what marketable skills do I have that I can use because if things don't get right soon, he senses they're going to get left behind. And when he talked about getting right, he was talking about the mission of the church. We, we, we've forgotten why we exist. And, and he was sharing this about his group of people who are a great group of people who he loves. And he's an excellent pastor, by the way. But they need an awakening of their mission, not a program. Our nation has more self-help programs and gurus and spiritual plans and life coaches and, that we can shake a stick at. What is the mission of your life? And it only comes from God. How does it line up with God's great commission statement? The pastor shared 
uh, with us and in other events that I happen to be able to be a part of. And he was sharing with a large group, a large venue, uh, uh, how God was working on the mission field that he was in. And he happened to be in a place uh, that there was a church, and, and he, but this church was not supposed to be, exist because it was an underground church in a nation that says no church is allowed unless it's approved by us. And so, so he, they literally put a hood over his head and they put him in the back of the car, and they told him, lay down in the back seat. They drove him to where this home was. Still with the hood on his head, said couldn't see a thing in the darkness of night, and a hood on his head. They led him to this house, and as he got in, they took the hood off, and everybody there greeted him. They were so thankful that he was there. It was a dimly lit, very small room. Sixty people jam-packed in this small room of this house. He said, I, he said, I was pushed to the front, and, and, and there was just a small little kind of circle right there, but there was a circle of people, and eventually they were standing, and he said they were so grateful to hear God's word. I mean, he said they were just like sponges. Everything that he said, they just, they wanted more. They asked him to come, keep coming back, and and he said, and the crazy thing, by the way, was that that underground church and, and throughout that country, the underground church is actually flourishing. And he said, at first I was like, oh, that's just great. He said, but then I began to realize the depth of their commitment and how they knew who they were and whose they were and what their mission was. He said, as they listened and as they prayed and they asked him to come back, and he did, he said the next time that he came back that they were in that same circle and, and they began to pray. And what they prayed for were their own lives, that, that they would not die, that they would have more time. What they prayed was that not only that about their, but they also prayed that God would protect their neighbors who were following Jesus because they were losing their business because the government was coming in and shutting things down. They prayed for family members who had been abducted by the government because they proclaimed Jesus. And he said as he was sitting there and listening and they were praying, he said, I looked at the floor and he said this floor and it was a dusty floor. He said, but there were puddles of the tears of the people who were praying in that room. Before he left... Uh, they said, what can we pray for you about? And he is a pastor from America, and he, he had been there for a while with his church's blessing. They said, oh, we want to bless you. Go, go spend several weeks overseas helping with some missions projects, and it was good. And, and so he did, and he shared, well, actually, I got a call today. And he said, I want you to pray for my church. They're kind of having a little bit of a struggle. They're butting heads a little bit. And it's over this, it's over the color of this room that they want to paint. And he said, and some financial things that they would like to get, but there's a bit of a fight breaking out about whether they should buy this and what color it should be. And he said, the room just erupted in laughter. They did, oh, that, that is so funny, Pastor. You are so crazy. That's so funny. And then he told them, oh, no, I'm, I'm being for real. And he said, and once again, they began to cry. And they wept and they prayed. And then they went on to explain to him, we thought America was this Christian utopia. 
We thought it was a place where everybody gets along, where you knew, man, where, where people just loved on each other and you, you knew the mission. And, and you're, is this just your church? Is this other? And we said, well, it happens sometimes. It's, you know, there's things. And they just wept all the more. What is our mission, church? If for some crazy reason, all of this got wiped away, could you kneel in a room where there was nothing and still worship Jesus? If there was no sound system or no, no music or no, no band or no altar, could you still worship Jesus? Would his mission still ring true for you? close with this. You've heard before, you know, we were in Florida there. We were hired by the district to take on a missional outpost there in Gainesville. And things were happening and things just kind of went sideways and all of that. But, but here's the main purpose that we were hired by the district there. Jackie and I and our kids were hired to win people to Jesus. And so, and, and that's where my heart is. Anyways, it's wonderful. And so we were starting, we were told to start this new church, restart this church that focused on the millennials that were just le- are leaving the church in droves. There's just not many who are staying, if, even if they were raised in the church, not many are staying with the church. And, and I've shared a bit about that with you before, but yeah, there, there was that statement where things kind of just came to a head with those who were there who were, were supposed to work with us, and they said, Pastor, would you just let us die with our stuff, and then you can do whatever you want to do. And I was saddened as leaders in that arena fought over a work that was supposed to be about winning souls, but ended up about money and reputation. And in the end, one of the final questions to me was this, well, would you be all right with abandoning the mission and just help this church die with dignity? And I still had some fight left in me. I said, no, no way. And, And I stopped in that room with men who were much much sharper than I am. And I read these words that came from one of the girls that we were working with there at the university that was not going to church. It had a background in the church, but the university, everything just kind of went sideways with the Lord. There was not really anything spiritually happening in her life, but a friend asked her to come to this little group that we had started. And so as they were watching, my wife and I just broken over this situation. They were doing what they could do to kind of help fight for us. This little little church in this huge building <laughs> um, campus actually there. And she wrote to me, and this is on June 1st, 2018, Dear Pastor Matt, I cannot thank you enough for the kindness and generosity that you and your family have shown me to this point this past year. As my pastor your spiritual guidance has been such a great blessing. As my friend, your hospitality has made Gainesville feel like a second home. You have said that sometimes you feel like you were only called to Gainesville to close a struggling church, and that was me and my pity party. (laughs) 
but I can assure you that you have done so much more. When we were planning to start a church with just your family, and she lists off all the names, a fire, a fire was set in my soul that I had never experienced before. I felt like for the first time I was taking charge of my faith as my own. Separate from my parents, the thought of starting a new church really put me out of my comfort zone and I was fully prepared to lay it all on God. Like we read in Crazy Love, comfortable is not what we want to feel in our faith. If you hadn't been called to Gainesville, I'm not sure that this fire would be in my heart right now. I know one of the reasons you were called here was to help God light that fire. Tears fill my eyes as I write this, but I trust that God has great plans for all of us. You and your family will always be in my heart and prayers. And I, I shared and I struggled even in the midst of that group to share that message with people who I, I wanted to see the mission comes first. The mission comes first. Keep your money. Keep whatever else. The mission comes first. Because I have the audacity to believe that if we seek first the kingdom of God, all those other things will be taken care of. I'm still in the midst of dealing with an ongoing lawsuit that is happening at that church, and I've already been depositioned. And you want to know what the lawsuit is about that I and others are in the midst of right now from a couple years ago. It's a cell tower that was on the property that brought in anywhere from fifty to $100,000 a year. And the group that had been there so long, well, they're behind the company to fight for that tower. I don't care about the cell tower. I care about souls. Who gives a rip about the cell tower? When I look at that tower and I look at this heart, I think, man, this heart is something that Jesus would die for. He couldn't give a rip about that because my God, it says in Scripture, owns the cattle of a thousand hills. How big is our faith? I don't care, but my God is big enough. The size of my God is big enough to take care of everything else. Time and energy and money and lawyers have been engaged in a fight over the money and legacy of a dead church while thousands of students have little or no knowledge of a Savior who died to give them forgiveness of sin, salvation, and a new life. I'm not my, their judge. I'm not their judge. But I do wonder... If some would say maybe one day, Lord, Lord, we fought to keep the stuff in that building just the way we wanted it. We fought to keep control of that cell tower for you, Jesus. We fended off those outsiders from coming in and changing our church. They thought they were going to do these things, but we stopped them. And here's the thing, they felt like they were doing the right thing. They were keeping the club alive. I'm humbled by today's text. Maybe it's not for any of you. Maybe it's just for me. 
and that's okay. But I'm humbled by our text today. And I pray that I will never get sucked in to that grand adventure of missing the point of why we are here. I don't want to see anyone left behind. And you might say sometimes, well, you know, pastor, he just isn't taking a stand on this. Or he isn't doing this the way that I would like him to. I'm going to continue to make it very clear. I make my stand on this, on Jesus alone. He is my rock. He has been faithful. He is taking care of our family when we should have been completely decimated when my marriage should have never worked. Jesus pulled us through. The good news, church, is this. Is there is a generation, as a matter of fact, I don't think it matters what age, I don't care if they're generation a millennial or all the way to boomers or builders. I, there are generations out there who want to know more about Jesus. They don't want to know more about Matt Delp. They want to know about Jesus. And they respond to the love of God for them. They didn't need to be convinced of sin when I talked to this group there at the University of Florida. We walked the halls of their dorms. We were in their common areas. They didn't need to be convinced of sin. They could just peek in the door of what's happening in the hallway and they knew what sin was. It was all around them. They desired a chance to make this faith their own. And I see that in every generation, young and old. People are attracted to a genuine missional Christianity. Ephesians 5.14, it tells us these words, and it kept coming to my mind as I was preparing, and it says this, wake up, sleeper. Ephesians 5.14, wake up, sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. I needed those words. same Easter resurrection power that rose Jesus from the dead is the same power who can take care of our future. My friend Frank died just a few months ago peacefully in his sleep. They don't they didn't know exactly. There wasn't anything that they knew that was wrong. But when I first met Frank, he had just started coming to the church where I pastored and and he came there because he was actually mandated to go into an addiction treatment center. And, and, and he thought that he was mandated that he goes to this meeting called uh, like Celebrate Recovery. And then he drove up, they drove him up, and it wasn't mandatory. It was at a church, and he realized it was a church, and he is like, I, I am not. He would not, he just puffing on his cigarette, would not go inside of the church. And several people went out, you know, hey, come on in. Finally, about at the end of the session that they had, 
when they're all in a circle and at that point we would share whatever's going on in our life. You know, hi, I'm Matt. I'm, I'm an alcoholic. I, I'm struggling with that. And I, you know, respond just, hey, here's, here I am. And it got around to Frank and Frank's like, he said, and we asked, by the way, that you would not curse or use expletives or take God's name in vain. And, but, oh man, we heard every one of them in the book. And I am not this, and I don't believe in church, and I don't believe in God. I'm not. I'm an atheist, and there's nothing you can... This, I'm never coming back. I did And I mean, and everybody just sat there and listened. And, oh, boy. And we prayed. And the crazy thing was, Frank came back the next week. And he came back the next week. And the next week... And everybody knew who he was. He was known from where we were all the way to Wichita. He was a truck driver, and I mean, he had done some bad things in his life. When I got there, Frank had given his heart to Jesus. And here was this man who was just as hard as nails. And I mean, he made up two of me, taller, his arms were as big around as my legs. I mean, just a huge guy. And he could just see a difference in him. He loved Jesus. He was out there, and I mean, he was kind of an intimidating-looking figure. And he was one of our hospitality guys. And I mean, they're like, oh, yeah, we'll get into church. You know, yeah, we're, we're going right now. <laughs> and, but he just loved on people. He just loved them. And he loved Jesus in any way that he could serve. I mean, he, he really struggled with some things. He always felt like he wasn't maybe quite good enough, you know. And he, he was missing a couple teeth. And he just a, but a great man who loved the Lord. It all happened not because we were the best church in town not because we had the coolest building and it wasn't because of we had the, the best people you know but we did have people who loved Jesus and loved people for Jesus and that was the main thing it was all we loved people and we loved Jesus and people realized it Frank got his life right. He became known so well, and everybody looked up to him and celebrate recovery. I mean, he was a man who had been there, done that, and if it could, God can change that man, he could change me. And, and when I got the news that, that he died, I didn't once worry that he was going to say, Lord, Lord, I, I thought we were right. I mean, we couldn't have met a more humble man and who had truly transformed by the love of God. Church, we have an opportunity where we're at. I, you know, we talk about addiction, addiction and other things. I don't care if the person is a billionaire or if the person is flat on the street. People need Jesus. And they have this innate understanding that they were created. And it even says in the Bible that his fingerprints were left on our, our, our hearts. 
And I believe that those fingerprints continue to call out to God in the hearts of lives and people. And they are going to say things about the church. You guys are a bunch of hypocrites. You guys don't ever get this right. You don't get, and, but yet they're doing it because they're wanting to see something genuine and something real. Don't be offended by that. It's an opportunity. They want to see something real. And be real with them. Yeah, I mess up. I screw up sometimes too. But there is this Jesus I serve that is so amazing. This week, this coming Saturday, I'm going to ask the band if they would come up now. But this week, and this Saturday, our, our leaders, there's leaders within our church, our board members, uh, our staff, we're going to... Uh, a leadership retreat and uh, one of the beautiful blessings of Florida came out of my relationship with an associate DS there his name's Dave Ramsey he's my mentor and and uh, and he'll be here with us and and here's one of the major emphasis of the week and his establishing what our mission truly is there's lots of peripherals. There's lots of things. And there's things that need to happen. There's business that needs to I get all of that. But everything needs to be led by the function of the church, by the mission. And sometimes we find ourselves in places where you know, instead of the form following the function, the function's following the form. And no, everything we do needs to be centered around what our mission is. And I want to ask our leaders that are going to be a part of that this weekend to come forward. I want to ask our staff to come forward. Laura, you can come down here too. I would like you just guys to stand here. I would like to ask our board members to come here. And I know that we live in a social distance world, but here's something that's amazing to me is that God's power, God's strength. He's not concerned about social distancing. He goes straight to our heart every time. I want to ask you, if you would just stand, if you would feel led by God, if you would stand while I pray, and, and maybe put your hand out towards this group. And I would ask that you would pray over this weekend that the Holy Spirit power would fall upon this group as we are together at Golden Bell Camp. And that it would move in a way that maybe we never, ever, ever expected. I want to ask that you would pray for them every day this week. That as God brings them to mind, and others that are not here right now, but as God brings them to your mind and to your heart, that you would be lifting them up, not for their glory, but for God's glory. We want to see God high and lifted up this weekend. Amen? Because here's the thing I tell my board and I tell my staff is our church will never rise above its leaders. That starts with me. So today, I'm asking you, would you pray for your leadership? Let's just put our hands out towards them intercede on their behalf through our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you right now for these leaders, for these board members, for these staff people, for these ones who are just 
doing things, God, in our midst, Lord, that, that are on mission from you. And I pray right now that as we are anticipating your presence and you are to break in this weekend, God, that it would be truly in a way that changes everything about who we are. May we have a reawakening in our hearts. Lord, if there's a time in our nation and in our world where we need revival, it is now. And I'm not afraid to ask, God, let it start with us. And I pray, God, for your blessings and your preparation over the hearts of each one of these individuals here. And I pray for your church here, Woodland Life Center, this Church of the Nazarene up here in the the mountains, Lord, I pray that you will help this church to be a beacon of your mission to the world. I pray, God, that you will do something that we can only step back and say, wow, only God could do that. Because, God, we want to give you all the glory. We pray these things, God, in faith, but even more than that, the knowledge and the belief that you are a big, big God. May it start with us today, we pray, and together your people say in Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, we're going to close with the song, I'll close with the word of prayer after that.
goes without saying that these altars are always open. If you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, I want to tell you there's no better time than today for you to ask him into your heart. I don't take uh, just a, an assumption that just because you're here at the church that you know him as your Lord and Savior. We, this is more important than anything. Maybe you just might want to come up to speak with the Lord. Maybe you might want to make a quiet place where you're standing, you're seated. And God is in our midst. As we close with a word of prayer, I'm just inviting you. Father, we ask that you would just please continue to rain down on us whatever we need to take that step closer to you. If we need conviction in our heart from you, Lord, convict us. If we need, God, comfort and confidence, then give it to us, Lord, I pray. God, I, I pray that you will help each one of us individually and corporately be effective in your kingdom. And Lord, help me to be the pastor that you've called me to be. Give me the direction continually. Continue to just lead my heart, Lord. God, you are my audience, so I'm, I'm here for you. And Lord, I love this church. the hope of this community and really the hope that we hold in our hearts is the hope of this world so God I pray that you will just help us to again uh, not be filters of what you're trying to do through us help us Lord to be vessels where it just pours out so fast and so pure and so greatly from you God that they forget about our names but they proclaim the name of Jesus. We pray this in your name, and we pray, God, for your good things, your good blessings to come. And I pray, God, that you will remind us daily and pierce our heart when we fail to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. But we claim the promise that when we do all these things, in your name. Amen. Uh, it's been so good to be with you today. And if you heard nothing else today, know this. Jesus loves you. And he has a great plan for this church and this body. Let's do it together. There's more than unites us in Jesus than what divides us beyond that. Amen. Well, today, if you want to speak with me or just uh, just have anything you want me to pray with you about, or, um, I'll be over here. Um, if you're new, I would love to meet you. 